welcome back to another Movie Fixers, the podcast where we don't just critique movies, but talk about how they can be, maybe, sort of, kind of, just a little better. I'm your host, Tony, and with me is my fellow Movie Fixer, fellow Ship of the Ring, <laughs> all-around swell fellow. I like these introductions get like a little dumber every time, but that's what I want. It's Matt. It's me. I'm here to help fix movies hey. with you. How you doing, Matt? What are we What are we fixing? Okay, we are doing a movie today that has been very controversial. When we've been telling people that we're doing this movie, the, uh, typically the responses I've gotten on this is just like, "What could you possibly fix about this movie? It's perfect as it is." Like I've gotten that from so many people, it's insane. But I tell them, listen to the episode, and you'll find out what we can fix about it. We're doing Disney's Frozen. Uh, this movie was a hit. Uh, it is still, I believe, the highest grossing um, animated film of all time. It's, you know, it has had two short films. It's got a sequel coming out soon. It had a hit song, a hit soundtrack. It This was kind of a big deal. People people really liked Frozen in yeah, general. It, yeah, it uh, budget-wise, um, it made all the monies. It, it says here, I looked it up, it says it made all of the monies. Yeah, that's the IMDb. Just, yeah. Okay. It just all says of the monies. total gross, all the monies. Okay. I, I, I honestly believe that. I think the number just, what it was is it was too big for them to put on the website. It would have crashed the website. So, so. it's just the shrug emoji <laughs> yeah. and just all the monies? Yeah, all the monies. The shrug emoji, but the hands just have like piles of cash balanced on them. That makes perfect sense. That mm-hmm. that seems about par for the course of this movie. I think it's funny uh, the responses you got when you were telling people we're fixing this movie. I got the opposite. Mm-hmm. Most people were like, how are you going to fix that? Because it seems like you're either like Frozen is the best thing ever or Frozen is ridiculous, ridiculous horrible train wreck. But there's not a lot of hmm. middle ground for people. I Interesting. I mean, I think it, for me personally, falls somewhere in the middle of it's got lots of issues especially with like character development and like the story but at the end of the day we talk about how you know we sort of gauge movies now with like did you have a good time mm-hmm. and, like the truth is i had a good time with frozen it's got some catchy music it's got some likable characters if inconsistent characters but it's not like it's a bad movie it just i think it could have been better in so many ways and i'm excited to talk about all of those ways me too uh, and just to be clear i don't dislike the movie at all i too had a great time seeing it uh watching it again kind of reminded me of the parts i liked about the movie which was uh really surprising i can sort of always remember like you say the inconsistencies but i remember why i wanted to do this in the first place because it it is a good film. It's just it could be better, mm-hmm. and and I am really excited to be doing something that is not the Wicker Man. Absolutely, could not agree more. And you 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 hit the nail on his head. I think Frozen was one of the first movies I thought of when we came up with movie fixers, because I remember there's only a few movies that I I I come out of, and I'm just like we absolutely could could just fix this you know it's got such good potential we could fix it and i remember the first time seeing frozen being frustrated by a number of things that we're going to talk about in just a few moments but that would definitely make for a better movie we're joined today on this podcast by teddy who is a big frozen fan but he also doesn't understand story structure yeah um yes that's actually an important (laughs) note we're recording this together in the same room again we've only done this once before we're usually we were trying to remember jess and i the other day trying to remember what episode it was was it last jedi 
or was it? Yeah, it was last year. That's why we went so long. Ah, that's right. Yeah, we recorded that podcast together in the same room, and we're in the same room again for this podcast. But to stop us from going on too long, we have a bit of a surprise with the recap, because as longtime listeners of the Movie Fixers know... <laughs> we could spend the next hour and a half like explaining, explaining the, plot of this hour the and a half hour and a half movie and how it and how it played out but that's that's bad podcasting we're told it's so, bad podcasting so we've in the past uh gotten Jess Ducci to write us up a recap that, that we read and try and stay very strictly to mm-hmm. this time though we're doing something a little different this time we got Jess to record for us her own recap of the movie Frozen and I think we can uh, go ahead and play that for you right now. We've already listened to it, but we're going to play it for you, and I hope you like it. It's not going to take long. <clears throat> hey, guys. I'm back with another synopsi. Follow me through Frozen, a journey of love and ice and emotionally scarred girls uh, and a villain, and then another villain and then another villain. Okay, wait, what? Uh, let, let's just jump in. We open on chanting. Uh, it sounds kind of tribal, but there's lots of snowflakes. A bunch of hefty dudes saw up some ice to an awesome chant about beware an ice heart. Enter Kid Kristoff and Sven. You'll need to remember them for later. Anna, annoying but wistful little sister, and Elsa, icy older sister, build their famous snowman back at the palace in Arendelle. Uh, remember that later to be, you know, the song, Do You Want to Build a Snowman? And the lovable snowman, Olaf. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm sure you've been exposed to a lot of this in pop culture. So, yeah. Elsa's snow powers are introduced at the palace, and as the sisters play, Elsa tries to save Anna from a fall, but instead ice picks her head. Oops. The horrible parents show up criticizing Elsa and her ice powers, uh, rude, and race Anna to some rock trolls. <clears throat> okay, that's what I would do if I were parents. Uh, interesting. Kristoff sees the ice trail. Uh, as they go through the forest, there's an ice trail that they make because Elsa. Uh, and he sees everything that happens between the family and the trolls. The chief troll fixes Anna by taking away all magic from her and memories of magic except a mundane version of the fun memories with Elsa. I'm not sure how that works. The chief troll tells Elsa that there's beauty and danger in her powers, that she must learn to control them, and that fear is her greatest enemy. So the horrible parents lock Elsa away from everyone, even her sister, and tell her that until she can control things, she can't see anyone. Wait, what? These are horrible, horrible parents. Okay, okay. Uh, Song break, because that's what we need right now. Do you want to build a snowman? The king gives Elsa gloves and tells her, conceal it, don't feel it, which becomes her movie mantra. Uh, How is this helping with fear? She spazzes as her powers grow, and her parents continue to encourage repression of feelings. And then they go away on a trip and die. The sisters are left horribly emotionally scarred and separated by a lifetime of isolation. Elsa's room is all iced over, and dude, she is powerful. That's a lot of ice. Three years later, everyone's all excited about Coronation Day, and Kristoff is now a hunk of hottie with an ice business. No joke, man. He's kind of hot for, you know, a cartoon. A dude from a neighboring kingdom, now forever to be known as Shady Town Guy, is excited because he wants to exploit the kingdom. Hmm, bad guy? Another song break! 
Anna is excited. Everything is livening up. She was really lonely. And then she starts dreaming of her own Prince Charming. Elsa, on the other hand, is dreading contact with people and practicing her public mask. I'm seeing, like, extrovert, introvert here. I'm totally on Elsa's side. Uh, enter Hans. I'm tempted to call him Hans Gruber, but we'll get that to, to that later. He knocks Anna over, and there's an instant connection. They're a hot mess. Together. And it's glorious. And cute. And amazing. And with that meet-cute, Anna races off to the coronation. The bishop at the coronation insists Elsa take her gloves off, and when the scepter and ball she's holding start to freeze up, she hurriedly puts the gloves back on. But now she's queen! And there must be a ball! Anna and Elsa are pretty much strangers and totally awkward at first, but quickly rebond. Shady Town Guy dances with Anna and interrogates her about why the gates were closed for so long. Oh yeah, the gates have been closed uh, since the parents found out how bad Elsa's powers could be. So yeah, literally shut away from everybody. Anna tries to connect with Elsa again, and Elsa shuts her down. Hans saves the day, though, uh, and he and Anna experience a wonderful dance and night together. Anna tells him she doesn't know why Elsa shut her out. Right. That whole memory wipe thing? Anna really doesn't remember a whole lot. Song break! They fall in love. They being, sorry, Hans and... El uh, <laughs> There's too many names. Hans and Anna uh, fall in love in ridiculous overnight love at first sight fashion. Like, he proposes and they get engaged. That, like, serious overnight love. Now, Anna has to tell Elsa. Elsa's not down with that. She thinks it's too quick and accuses... Uh, <laughs> that's the problem. I'm spelling Anna A-N-A -A, and I keep thinking it says and. Anna accuses her of being an ice queen and Elsa commands reshutting the gates. When Anna asks, what are, you, what are you so afraid of? Elsa ices over the place. And apparently sorcery is bad because everyone reacts with shock and awe. Elsa runs and freezes stuff among the villagers and scares them too. She discovers she can freeze the fjord and keeps running. Oh yes, we're in an area of the world where there are fjords. Unfortunately, Elsa freezes the whole place and puts Arendelle in a very bad way. Anna decides she should go after Elsa in her party attire with no provisions because it's her fault everything happened. Anna leaves Hans in charge? Okay. What? Okay. Yep. Song break. <laughs> it's like every time something kind of weird happens that I feel like putting a question mark at the end. Song break! Elsa sings about her emotional scarring and then decides she can't hold it in anymore, hence let it go. Which, if you don't know that song or have never heard that song, you've been living in a cave like Elsa. She's actually quite comfortable with herself now, apparently, and happy to be alone. Anna is still looking for Elsa and blames Elsa for not telling her about her powers. Yes, this is kind of an under-the-breath aside thing, but I noticed it when I was watching this time and was like, Oh, wow, that's a really cool thing to do. It's their horrible parents coming back to haunt the girls with their horrible parenting. It's cool. She stops at a shop for supplies, because um, again, went out without provisions. Enter Kristoff again, iced over. He tells Anna about the North Mountain being all magicked, and then gets thrown out. Kristoff sings to his reindeer. Have I mentioned? Kristoff is adorable. Anna busts in and asks him to take her to the North Mountain, and she demands they leave now. So they leave, and summarize previous scenes. Kristoff is incredulous that she got engaged to someone she just met. He tells her he has friends who are love experts right before they're attacked by wolves. So exciting. And they continue to argue about true love. 
They make a miraculous jump across the gorge as Kristoff's sled goes up in inexplicable flames. Anna and Sven, Sven being the reindeer, I don't know if I said that before, saves Kristoff. She, Anna, thinks Kristoff won't help anymore and starts to leave. But after a fake convo with his bestie Sven, Kristoff continues on. Kristoff and Sven have a very special relationship with each other. It's really adorable. <clears throat> they see Arendelle and realize just how bad things are, but Anna just knows Elsa can help. I'm not sure why she knows that, uh, but she's really sure that Elsa can. Anna and Kristoff notice how beautiful all the ice is, and there's Olaf, the lovable little snowman. Anna and Kristoff are creeped out, though, because, you know, he's talking. But Anna vaguely remembers Olaf from her happy, not-erased Elsa memories. Anna and Kristoff ask Olaf to take them to Elsa so she can bring back Summer. He happily complies because... Song break! This snowman is obsessed with Summer and ignorant of what he does to snow. Cut back to Arendelle. Hans is acting like Mother Teresa to the town, and Shady Town Guy is mad about the princesses leaving, and Hans defends Arendelle. Uh, okay. Uh, Anna's horse comes back, and Hans decides to go after her, thinking she's in trouble, and the Shady Town Guy sends his goons to, quote, put an end to winter. Kid movie lingo for kill Elsa. Kristoff talks to Anna about how, to, how the conversation with Elsa will go around a bunch of spiky icicles, implying Elsa might not be too friendly. Anna starts trying to climb the mountain while Kristoff wonders if Elsa wants to see them at all. Maybe she wants to be alone, but Anna thinks no one wants to be alone. I don't know. Elsa seemed pretty happy. I think Kristoff is a smart cookie. They climb a staircase to the palace Elsa has made for herself. Anna decides to go in by herself. She's super impressed with the place. It's beautiful. And her sister is amazing. Elsa thinks she belongs here, where she can be alone and not hurt people. Olaf shows up and reminds the girls of their childhood, and that tragic day, Elsa hurt Anna. Elsa backs away to protect Anna, but Anna says she doesn't need protection because she's not afraid. Song break! Anna offers to stay with her no matter what, so she won't be afraid, and then has to tell Elsa what Arendelle, that Arendelle is snowed over. And now Elsa is super discouraged because she's not free after all. She's still doing bad things, even though she's completely away from everybody. Elsa spazzes again and sends more ice rays, striking Anna. Elsa forces Anna to leave with a giant ice ogre. Just as ice ogre is leaving, Anna throws a snowball at him and makes him chase him down the mountain. It's a really good call on Anna's part. Kristoff works to get them down the cliff while Olaf tries to hold the ogre back, which is adorable. They end up all falling to the ground. Anna's hair starts turning white because Elsa's ice ray is turning her to ice. And Kristoff decides she needs to see his friends, the love experts. Psst, he means the trolls, in case you haven't picked that up yet. Elsa focuses on not feeling in her ice palace, which only makes her feel more. Kristoff describes how his friends took him in and hesitantly introduces his family, the rock trolls. See? They excited, they're excited to meet Anna because they think she's with Kristoff. You know what I mean? With. Song break! The trolls sing about Kristoff's awesomeness and a lot of his flaws and try to fix them up. The trolls answer to everything. Love! The chief troll recognizes the ice in her heart, in Anna's heart. It's killing her. And because it's her heart, quote, only an act of true love can thaw a frozen heart. They think a true love's kiss will do it, so they head back to Hans who is now at Elsa's castle, looking for Anna. The ice ogre attack 
attacks the men and the shady town guy's goons after going after... Wait, what? What happens? The ice ogre attacks the men and then the shady town guy's goons go after Elsa with crossbows. There we go. Elsa defends herself with ice rays while Hans tries to survive the ogre. Elsa practically kills her attackers before Hans convinces her to stop. One goon shoots the chandelier down and out goes Elsa. Completely knocked out. She wakes up in chains and sees what Arendelle has become. She can't believe it. Hans tries to get Elsa to bring back Summer, but Elsa still insists she needs to get away from everything. She starts to ice out of her chains. Kristoff races Anna back to the palace, but Anna keeps worrying about Kristoff's ice business. She's been doing this the whole time. It's her, it's her motivation. And Kristoff leaves Anna in the hands of the palace servants. Hans worries about Anna, 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 and they're finally reunited. She asks for a kiss, but he wants a story recap. And suddenly, Hans is the bad guy. He doesn't kiss her. He gives a bad guy spiel about marrying into the throne. He plans to kill Elsa and bring back Summer. Anna is left alone and dying. I have so many thoughts on this moment, but I'm going to let the guys fix the movie. <clears throat> Hans tells Shady Town Guy that Elsa killed Anna and lies about getting married to Anna before she died. So Hans, now in charge, sentences Elsa to death. But Elsa's already icing up and breaking out. Sven insists Kristoff goes back because he loves Anna. See, reindeer, Kristoff, totally special relationship. Reindeer's all like, hey guy, you know, you know what you're doing, you know you're in love. When Kristoff sees Elsa whipping up a, a snowstorm, he goes back for Anna. Anna's still dying when Olaf breaks in and finds her. He makes a fire and puts her in front of it. They talk about love and sacrifice. Olaf helps her realize Kristoff loves her. Anna realizes she needs Kristoff just as the palace starts to freeze over. All the main characters converge on the frozen fjord in the middle of the snowstorm. Anna's dying, Kristoff is dodging breaking ice, and Hans finds Elsa. Hans tells Elsa that Anna's dead. The storm dissipates. Kristoff and Anna finally see each other. But instead of getting her kiss, Anna chooses to block Hans from kill killing Elsa. Anna turns to ice. As Elsa weeps for her sister, Anna thaws. Woohoo! That didn't take long. The sisters hug and realize Anna sacrificed herself for love. Olaf helps us remember the troll's words. Quote, Only an act of true love can thaw a frozen heart. Elsa starts to thaw the whole place, and Arendelle is restored, with the chanting from the beginning that I still don't quite understand. And Olaf starts melting, until Elsa creates a snowstorm to follow him around. Whew! I like Olaf. Anna stops Kristoff from hurting Hans and punches Hans in the face herself. Hans and Shady Town Guy get kicked out of town, and Anna gives Kristoff a new sled. You know, to replace the one that went up in flames, because it was her fault. And they finally freaking kiss. Olaf discovers the joys of allergies, and he and Sven buddy up. Elsa gives the town an ice rink and a little snow, and everyone lives happily ever after. That, my friends, is Frozen. Enjoy the journey of fixing it. And uh, I look forward to hearing what on earth you guys do with this movie. Thanks very much. Jessa Ducci, signing out. All right, Jess, that was amazing. I, I, I'm very impressed that you were able to so uh, succinctly tell us the plot of the movie Frozen. 
Yeah, and she seems... Do you think she was skeptical about us fixing this movie? I couldn't really tell in her tone of voice. I don't know. It, it, it seemed almost overt in how obvious it was mm-hmm. that she... Uh, yeah, she doesn't have a lot of faith in this movie, but that's fine. I think she has faith in us, and that's what's more important. Challenge accepted. Absolutely. All right, so before we get into the what worked, what didn't work, what do we need to be changing, do you have any questions about this movie, Matt? I, I have mean... probably too many questions, and I think both of us do. This movie has a lot of inconsistencies. And I come to find out there's a lot of behind the scenes factors for why this movie has so many inconsistencies. But just to name a few, I don't, there, I don't understand. I don't understand what happened to Elsa and Anna after her parents died. We, you know, we see this montage of, do you want to build a snowman and the parents dying, but we never see anybody but Anna, Elsa and the parents. So I don't understand who helped raise these kids. Um, I don't understand. It was there like a nanny or like a charming old butler, or like who who's helping to like teach Elsa about her magic? Who's you know, teaching these kids anything? We all we know is that we don't see them together at all for a very long time, and then they open the the gates for the coronation day, but before that, they're they're very vague about the upbringing of Anna and Elsa. Anna is just this like weird sort of worst version example of a homeschool kid imaginable that has no <laughs> social education at all. Right. Um, I mean, she talks to pictures on the wall. Yeah, that's, a lot. That's a little... And, like, has conversations with them a lot. It's really weird. And, yeah, I, I don't agree at all with the parents' decisions to just, like, hide Elsa away because of her powers. They don't really explain, like, is magic frowned upon? Is it illegal? Like, aside from protecting herself and others they don't really give a really good reason for it but no matter what their reason was i don't understand why anna had to be like locked away as well she could have very easily gone away to like a really fun boarding school and made a bunch of friends i I just none of that whole beginning makes any sense oh oh and Kristoff, like what was he doing before the trolls adopted him he was just running around on his own as like a Six year old, like how old he's, is this kid? Yeah, he's like orphan boy with uh, an elk. What is Sven? Reindeer. Reindeer. Reindeer are better than people. That's Sven, right. don't you Remember, think I'm right? I love all of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I just in the beginning of the movie we see him trying to like mm-hmm. cut ice out of the ground while these big, burly. I'm assuming homosexuals because they kind of look it a little like YMCA a little bit. And we don't judge on this show, Matt. No, it's not a judgment. It's just it's it is an observation. Okay. But I don't understand why these all burly men are singing in unison with perfect harmony, by the way, um, about how ice is dangerous and really cool and full of magic. And cold. <laughs> and they there's this little kid hanging out that they just leave behind. So he's clearly not a part of their group. And they're clearly not worried about But no one seems remotely him. concerned about this kid. And if he hadn't stumbled upon the magic ceremony and the trolls are just like, we're going to keep you, verbatim, that is, we're going to keep you, what was happening to this kid before? Where That's did his clothes creepy, come from? He has right? a really nice sled. Like, where'd that come from? Yeah, like, did he have family? And Right, did his parents die shortly before this scene? He I, seems like a very well-adjusted kid otherwise. Yeah, he, like, he seems like an orphan that's and... that's learning how to get on on his own. And But why is he on his own? Yeah, there's a whole backstory there that we just sort of 
skip. I mean, there's a lot missing in the beginning of this. There's everything you said about the upbringing of, let's say, all three of them as kids. Mm -hmm. And then there's just sort of the Arendelle is the the it's like a city, but it's also a kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom of Arendelle. Yeah, it's the kingdom of Arendelle. And like when Anna and Elsa's parents die, who are basically the heads of that kingdom for like a good few years nobody's running things and we yet, get a montage yeah things things are going smooth afterwards though like all of a sudden it's elsa's day to be queen and i'm like what what is the difference is this gonna make it seems like a very like what do you like she's a well there has head. to be some sort of like regent or something someone like running the kingdom yeah but we never meet whoever that character is if that character even or, exists. or if we do it's one of those unnamed people you see that are always yeah standing we do around. see a lot of staff none of which have any sort of story or anything mm -hmm. but some that's of what i'm saying like, like i feel like there's got to be like a a nanny or a like a regent or someone where was mary poppins yeah where was charles xavier <laughs> to help with elsa and her powers like conceal don't feel my ass where is xavier to like help Jean? i mean elsa deal with her powers <laughs> i just don't understand i don't know we have to we have to go easy on the hishi references though because they've they've hishi. done how it should have ended Oh, I, what are you talking about? Oh, okay. That's uh, another YouTube channel that does how movies should have ended. And they oh, they totally send her to Xavier's school at the end and have a whole scene. Oh, my God. Oh, it's a fun story, audience. It, I mean, I would watch that in a heartbeat. They, they, they redo the Let It Go uh, song, and Disney heard it because they're popular enough, and then made them change the lyrics they sang because they just sang the song again. Oh, that's So they had to go back, funny. remove the video, and... Look up. Uh, I'll have to watch that. How it should have ended. Add Frozen. this as a recommendation yeah. for the end of this pod, this episode. Yeah, that's a good idea. You should you should check that out. And so see. that's. Um, I think that's the gist of mm -hmm. my, most of my questions. I mean, there's still a lot of issues I have. I want to add a couple. Okay. Because I'm going to address it later, and I want to at least acknowledge that this is coming from somewhere. Uh, most of my questions have to do with Hans. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the movie, he is secretly the villain trying to wrestle control of Arendelle for himself because he's like... He's the youngest he's of the all youngest of his brothers, of like, and the only way he's ever going to be on a throne is if he marries into it, and he decides to just do it by force, basically. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it, it, it wasn't really... No, he says that. Yeah. It, it, he, was, he was basically going to marry Anna, create an accident for Elsa, but he didn't have to do that because Elsa kind of sabotaged herself, and mm -hmm. Anna was dying. But here's my thing. If that was really his plan all along, which we've, we've talked about, or you're going to talk about how that just doesn't hold water, but if that was really his plan all along, then he did a few things that were contradictory to that. For instance, when Anna leaves to go find Elsa, she puts Hans in charge. So he's already in charge. Right. At one point, he leaves to go find Anna, which makes no sense, because if both of them are gone, he's in charge. But you could argue that nothing about him. Well, but being he still needed to marry in to to take control. Okay, so that's what I was gonna say. If that's true, so then he goes after Anna. He stumbles onto Elsa and saves her life when he's already talked about how he needs to kill her, and he wasn't even the one who was going to kill her. So he would have been blameless in the whole thing. Absolutely, there was like one of his soldiers was just well, was, about to it was like the Duke Wesselton guy, the other bad guy. Yeah. You're, that's a really I didn't even notice they, that. They had crossbows. But that's a really weird inconsistency. It goes completely against 
his like true character yeah, at this he, point. Yeah, it was like it was almost as if they changed it at the last minute because they realized they needed another villain. Hmm. It's funny you say that because that is exactly what happened with this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Behind the scenes, the this movie was a very different movie up until very very late in production. Anna and Elsa were a lot more estranged. Elsa was the villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, she's Hans the villain was of not the meant story. to be the villain. The story this is based off of. Yeah, she the, was the villain. What is it called? The White Queen? Sure. Something like that. It's a Norwegian um, story. It's a Norwegian story. But yeah, uh, Elsa supposed to be was supposed to be like the villain, mm-hmm. and not Hans. And the 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 the. the studio this direct ever they decided to take a different route with it well, they realized they cast ida mendez is that her name adina menzel adina menzel yeah it is funny that you messed her name up though because that was like a whole thing at the oscars that next year yeah Remember when john travolta called her adele dezim <laughs> that was good stuff <laughs> anyway she's just too great to villainize and she was also known for the other anti-villain not a villain right playing Elphaba in wicked and wicked who's yeah. who in the, wicked the wizard of oz story is the wicked witch of mm-hmm. the west right the yeah, bad one well the east one had a house dropped on her by dorothy yeah well spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the wizard of oz <laughs> yes i spoiled the first 10 minutes of the film <laughs> um i just want to before we really get into the rest of this i want to talk about one more thing that i'm not sure if you've ever heard of are you familiar with the 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 fan canon of who uh, Anna and Elsa's parents truly are. Oh, no, okay. I was thinking of the fan canon where they ship Elsa with Jack Frost from the Guardians movie. And I, Oh, no, I dig that, too. I dig that. No, um, there's a... And it really works if you look at it. But if you look at the beginning of the Disney Tarzan movie... Oh, okay. Everything matches up about these parents getting shipwrecked and having Tarzan and dying... And the timeline like works out everything. So there's a lot of fan theory that totally makes perfect sense that Anna and Elsa are siblings to Tarzan. Tarzan okay. Specifically Disney's Tarzan. If you go back to the original right, right, Burroughs right. novels, it doesn't work. No, but like in the Disney canon. We're in Disneyverse. That that so, Tarzan is their brother. I heard something different that the boat that they were on that crashed is thought to be the boat that ariel finds when she's first exploring underwater that's part of the same theory and that it, it actually all works out an actual tie-in and i keep meaning to pause it and look for it but when they open the gates to arendelle for the mm-hmm. coronation you can see um rapunzel and flynn from Tangled. yes you can see them walking through like the courtyard yeah they're coming in so they're they're definitely official canon i thought that was a great nod i'm totally into it i'm okay with all four of these these films being a part of the same universe mm-hmm. I, maybe like, i've seen too many marvel movies i don't know but i i'm really into all these being in the same universe mm-hmm. but and we can all just agree right now tangled is better than frozen Tangled is better than Frozen. I completely agree with you. Couldn't agree with you more. But uh, I was actually talking to Jess about this. I think part of the problem, I think part of why Frozen blew up the way it did. The music. Excuse me. Well, the music for sure. But before Frozen, we hadn't had a, a legit princess movie in ages. And her response was, what about Tangled? Tangled is a princess movie, but it's also not a princess movie. And that was on purpose by the studio. They they realized that by calling the movie Rapunzel and making her the main character, they were inherently making a princess movie that was, in their opinion, I think, only going to appeal to girls. Mm-hmm. What they did was they changed the title to Tangled, 
and they really boosted the Flynn Rider character Who is to cool. be like a full co-lead in the movie. And I mean, I think it was successful because I love the movie Tangled. So is he a co-lead to Maximus the horse, who is the real true hero? He's of the that true story? hero yeah. of the movie, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's why Frozen did so well, is because as great as as Tangled is, it wasn't a true like princess movie. And Frozen is, for all of its faults, in fact. A full-fledged princess movie. Sure. And I think that's why it blew up the way it did. Also, Let It Go, Love It or Hate It is an incredibly catchy song. Like mm-hmm. I challenge you to get it out of your head, whether you like it or not. You can't let it go. Oh, my God. We're going to have to move into the next segment now. <laughs> it's okay. I've got plenty more of those. That's fine. Uh, so what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about what worked and what didn't? Well, yeah, I think we've, we've been, we've, we both say we love this movie, mm-hmm. but let's, uh, let's back that up. Let's actually say what we do love about this movie and why we're excited to fix it. Absolutely. Well, I, I'll go first. I, I, can, I think I can simmer this down to a couple of quick points. I love Olaf. Olaf is perfection to me. I mean, I remember thinking when I was making notes for this episode that there's like nothing I would change about that character. He's kind of perfect. He he reminds me a bit of the genie. Like when he does the song about In Summer, yeah. he's clearly like aware of different timelines and things in the future. So like he's almost, he's this magical character in the movie that exists outside of the timeline of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, he's charming. He He's the one that ultimately gives Anna the full like what true love is speech and it's delivered well and in a great moment mm-hmm. of self-sacrifice. And like, then it's broken with this perfect comedic moment afterwards. It, exactly. It's <laughs> his, he's got some of the best moments in the movie, like the, I don't have a skull or bones. Yeah. Just his, his delivery is uh, Josh Gad is, mm-hmm. is the, the guy playing Olaf and he's just, he's, he's perfect. I typically don't like the Olaf type character in movies. Right. I was surprised when you liked this character because you're right. You don't normally like I don't normally go for this kind of humor. And I wrote it down in my notes. I said, I shouldn't like Olaf, but I love him. Yeah. And, and you, it's, it's for the reason you said. His delivery is perfect. His lines are great. And something, and I think in general, one of the things I really like about Frozen, and I really remembered watching this back through, is the banter between all the characters <laughs> is just good. It's fun. It's like that little chuckle you do. You find yourself doing that a lot. Even if you don't love all the characters or, or think that the story makes any sense, it's just watching these Mm-hmm. characters interact i'm like whoever wrote this had the banter down yeah. and well I... and even the non-verbal banter if that's even a phrase mm-hmm. between like sven and olaf like sven <laughs> constantly trying to eat his carrot nose mm-hmm. and olaf always being just like one little moment ahead of him those little like bits of physical dialogue almost really play so well like him talking to marshmallow who's another character i love in this movie i love all the inanimate <laughs> non-people characters the, the ai movie. snowman <laughs> the ai snowman exactly but yeah i i love all that and i do i love the music um it's not all perfect i don't particularly care for the fixer upper song for quite a few reasons oh my god but i lo- i mean let it go is a great song it's a fun song i love love is an open door even though it's like the weird villain song of the movie at this point. officially yeah yeah but it's a fun song it's a fun duet i've karaoke it before like it's a good song um yeah, another thing I, I had to notate, because I remember seeing this for the first time and just being impressed by the number of thick dudes in Arendelle. Yeah. 
like this movie normally you gotta you, be big in that you get cold like air. one or two like thick characters in these movies but not in frozen frozen it's just a buffet of like cute fat dudes well, and i'm here for it christoph was was pretty christoph's pretty stout he, he, he well. had the the pyramid body coming up you yeah know, like launch pad is what i call it the launch pad physique that's yeah. uh, that's official canon now uh, we were really uh chrissy and i were really upset when they brought frozen into uh the show once upon a time and i didn't know that was in that show oh my god it's, i don't know why i'm acting surprised right now it's, it's when they got rid of any pretense that this wasn't a disney themed uh show uh-huh. and when you saw Kristoff, he was just this skinny little blonde kid with a Ugh. short little nose and we're like what who is this dork is that hans and they're like this is Kristoff. like that's not Kristoff. what is wrong with you <laughs> i yeah i Wow, I did not know that was a thing. Yeah, it was it was sad because I love Kristoff just in general. I he's weird. I I, I wrote that down in my, in my notes. Kristoff is weird, but I dig it. Right, I love the line. I dig his he, weird. It, it's a little very weird for a kids movie, but the, his unnatural thing with reindeer. Is like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you guys are really going with that, but that's a very strange line to have in this movie. I, I don't think it's anything uh, inappropriate. I just think. He is really good friends. You know how like Anna's really good friends with the pictures on the wall. Mm. He's really good friends with that. That's them. true. Maybe they bond over that. Maybe they bond over that. But yeah, I think we're just hitting on something broader, which is the casting in this movie was genuinely good. Mm-hmm. Kristen, what's her name? Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell as Anna. Veronica Mars is great. Her delivery, like, and it's little things like the the line about like stuffing her face with chocolate. Um, just the 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 delivery of so many of the the so much of the dialogue i think i you've got to give it to the actors they did a great job with the characters they were given that's true i it, yeah you I, I i bought that soundtrack really fast i'm i'm, I'm almost ashamed to say like, the soundtrack's a little weird because it feels inconsistent the musical styles on the soundtrack because we get this opening with like chanting and it feels kind of like um you really haven't watched the Hishi, okay? Uh uh-uh. uh, no. They totally touch on this, but we'll watch it after this podcast so that you didn't steal from them. Keep going. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, no, that opening, like, chant feels right out of. Um, oh, what other Disney movie am I thinking of? Uh, help me out here. Are you talking about the ice song or the bit where the snowflakes falling and they're like. The very, very beginning. Nah, that, nah, like, nah, hey, yeah. Nah. It, like Lion King, maybe Lion King, maybe a little Lilo and Stitch. Cause they've got that like kind of Hawaiian chant thing too. Mm-hmm. But then they go into the ice climber song, right? Yeah. Which feels like something out of like Pocahontas a little bit, but then you have love is an open door, which kind of feels very little mermaid. And it's like the stylings of a lot of these songs feel a little incohesive. The love is the cohesive. open door had more of that tangled, tangled feel to me. Like her opening. Oh Yeah. Tangled. God, I love the soundtrack for Tangled. Let's just talk about Tangled for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. We gotta stick to Frozen. All right. Well, tell me what are what are your other like likes in this movie? What what really worked for you besides what I've already said? Um. Wow. You really touched on a lot of it, and I've already said how much I think Kristoff's the man. I really like Elsa's arc. Her whole self discovery of she's trying to repress, hide who she is. She cuts loose. There's repercussions. She starts to like drift back into her old like self-deprecating way, and you know learns better. Like 
aside from the ice powers, it's all very relatable. And, yeah. You know, there was this bit where I might have had ice powers at one point, but we don't need to go into that. Right, right. No, so it's all it's all very re- relatable. So I really I really related with the Elsa character, not so much that I oh I get I've been there, but just like that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, My only gripe with her character arc, and and for the most part, I completely agree with you, is that, and we've already sort of touched on this, that whole first bit just moves too quick and glosses over too much. Like, I would have liked to have seen a little more of young Elsa. And what she was doing besides just sitting in the room. Yeah, struggling not just with her powers, but, like, wanting to see her sister. I couldn't help but wondering if she ever went to the bathroom, much less because she's always Yeah, we only ever see her in her room. And and apparently Anna has, like, not laid eyes on her, had a conversation with her until that ball. Well, that's very ambiguous. I I noted that it frustrated me that the first time we see them together as adults, mm-hmm. which is the first time we see them together at all since they're young kids, is at the coronation in the church. And that whole scene, Anna is like making googly eyes at Han and not acting like it's a big deal at all that she's seeing her sister, which makes you think, oh, maybe they have seen each other and we just haven't seen them see each other. But then in the very next scene at the reception, of the coronation, she's standing, she gets dragged up on stage next to her sister, next to Elsa, and Elsa says, hi, and Anna just kind of like, oh, hi, me, hi, hi to me, you're, t- you're, t- you're talking to me, and like, she seems flustered that her sister's even talking to her, which leads me to wonder, yeah. like, have they seen each other, have they not seen each other? There's just, there's so many, especially in the first half of this film, so many ambiguous, vague moments that I would just, as a viewer, like more answers to. I agree. But yes. again, I agree with you overall. I love the Elsa story. And I love that the song Let It Go is not just a great song, but it's an amazing character song. Like you get a lot of character development compressed in mm-hmm. like two minutes of that song. Yeah, some of the notes, the writers of that song actually like kind of went out for for a walk and were able to just come up with all of like the key, like verses that really just said what she was feeling. Yeah, in that sort of just moment of inspiration. Um, you asked me other things I liked. You you touched on this, but I think overall, Disney at this movie had figured out what their animation style was. There was mm. Pixar doing its Pixar thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tangled was great and the animation was awesome. I just feel like when I was watching this in Frozen, everything felt very like streamlined. Like they know what they're doing now. Like they've done Tangled, they know how to do mm-hmm. their style of character. And it made characters like Anna very endearing to me and very lovable because she had this like kind of whimsical way that was shown through the animation. And yeah. I, really, I really enjoyed that. Well, as long as you're talking about animation, I, I think two of us that have gone to animation school, I think we'd be remiss to not point out that they nailed snow in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of great videos you can find on YouTube of some of the, the tests that they did, but they nailed um, multiple versions of snow, like the fluffy powder version of snow, the hard packed ice version of snow. Like those um, magicians basically working for Disney really got snow right in this movie and they i mean they kind of had to it was an integral part of the film but i you know if you're going to talk about the animation of the movie we can't not mention the snow yes and the one thing they nailed even more than that and this is the last thing i'll say okay is they really nailed han's boots (laughs) i don't know where i thought you were going but i liked where you landed no i'm being dead serious han's has some kick-ass boots at that ball like Mm -hmm. because you remember he has to take them off with anna when they're like sock sliding around the halls secretly 
trying to make noise. And then he, and I'm like, what happened? To, and then he puts the boots back on. You realize these are like knee high, like black, like cut right, like tight boots. And I have never been more jealous of another man's boots than his boots right there. I've known you a long time and I've seen you with boot envy. So that's the statement coming from you. Mm-hmm. I love that in all of our years of friendship, like you can continue to surprise me with the strangest observations. All right, Hans Boots, got it. Check. I want to next Christmas. <laughs> all right. Well, we talked about the things that really stood out to us that worked in this movie. Why don't you go ahead and start us off talking about the things that didn't work? What fell short for you? A lot of the things on my list we sort of couldn't help but bring up already. Mm-hmm. The opening music is just off. The song about ice. I would have rather have heard more about Arendelle or what's going on with Kristoff. Although I did like that that song establishes the concept of ice has its own magic. I think that's like an actual lyric in the song. They they talk about ice has a magic that can't be contained, I think is the lyric. He's better in karaoke. It would have, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, I I agree with you. The song, I, I would have liked... So, uh, more of a an uh, an introduction to Arendelle, mm-hmm. and maybe how Ice plays in with that mm-hmm. could have been a thing. Uh, it was just a little too ambiguous. To what's the word I'm looking for? It's detached. I mean, it was yeah. it was it was too detached from the story we were going to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and again, I just I Kristoff. Where was he from? The parents. Why were they so terrible? Um, and then I think the, the next thing that really clicked on me was, if Hans is going to be a bad guy, why is his horse so adorable? Like, that just doesn't, that just doesn't match. You can't right. have a horse bad like guys that and be the bad guy. Bad guys don't have good horses. Yeah, not at all. I mean, there were just a lot of the things that fell flat for me were just, and you, you'll probably argue that, it, that it's acceptable, but Anna made a lot of dumb choices. And I know she was, she, she, she was sort of, I think you're right that Anna made a lot of dumb choices. I think that's justified in the movie, though, by the fact that she's she's completely socially inept. Mm -hmm. We don't, as far as we can see, she doesn't have any real education to be excited about. She hasn't spent any time with people that aren't servants. So, I mean, that's why, like, I forgive that she the first time they open the gates and let people in to the, I guess, the castle. She falls in love with the very first man she meets mm-hmm. and decides to marry. I'm like, of course she does. She she's, also seems to know her way around town. She's kind of an town, idiot. Though. She kind of was able to wander and walk and sing around town pretty well. Well, not really town though, just like the castle. I guess. Like she's flipping around the. the... She, she goes outside. She me. does, but it's like the courtyard. All right, all right. She doesn't really. I mean, and again, this all stems back to the same thing. The whole opening montage is so vague in developing these characters and what kind of life they've had for, you know, one would assume 16, 18 years of their life. Cause you know, I, I think we're assuming that uh, Elsa's 18 at coronation, right? Yeah. I saw it written somewhere that like Anna's supposed to be 16, Elsa's 18. That and sounds right. Kristoff's like 20. That sounds, all those sound like they seem to sync up. Yeah. Right. But you know, they're also like royalty in different times. So the roles of ages very like it's not it's not yeah i think that important other things then you know just kind of getting all laying uh anna's faults aside there's there's this idea that anna sorry i keep saying anna anna 
and Kristoff are are meant to be a couple because by the end they end up like kissing and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't buy that, and part of the reason and I don't think the movie really buys it because I noticed they're the only two that when they meet like main characters that when we meet them or see them meeting, you don't get a song. Anna gets a song. Mm. Elsa gets a song. Ice gets a song. Olaf gets a song. Olaf gets a song. But when they meet, it's not until they go meet the trolls who are the love experts, which, by the way, these love experts try to marry... Are terrible. Well, they try to marry Anna and Kristoff Faster than Hans and Having met her 14 seconds ago. They're just like, oh my god, he found a girl. Let's marry him all. (laughs) And the whole... Completely contradictory to sort of like the theme of the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And just... Or at least the thing they're trying to play out. And... Yeah, and they're supposed to be the love experts. Plus that whole song is ridiculously contradictory. I mean, it's cute, the Fixer Upper song, but... The whole thing is, you know, pointing out all the flaws, but then saying, but you're not really going to fix these. You're just going mm-hmm. to learn to love them in spite well, of... Well, then the moment that she says she has a fiancé, which, like, throw out the fact that that's, like, questionable. That, <laughs> but the moment she says that, they're not like, oh, oh, my bad. I didn't mean to get up in your business. They're like, eh, maybe so she's got the flaws. I think the trolls will really want to offload Kristoff. I think maybe. Like I, they, I think adopting him but, was the bad. It was like, but like, they did adopt did him, yeah. like at the drop of a hat too. Which is, which was just too creepy for me. Like yeah. that—that's another thing. It was just weird. Uh, There's so many little things that were weird. Uh, the the message when because Hans being a bad guy I don't like at all but I feel like the worst thing about it is the message it sends you know like the idea that you you can't just fall in love with somebody after or get engaged to somebody right after meeting them that's not a brilliant thing to do maybe you can maybe you live happily ever after good mm-hmm. on you I wish you the best right just not gonna how, act like that's never happened in the history of time right. it's just unlikely right and and not necessarily the wisest course of action I like driving that message home but then when Han the the reason it's a bad idea the thing that makes it a definitive bad idea is because he turns out to be a liar and bad I don't like that message because I feel like all that message is teaching is don't trust, don't try. Like, you know, I see, like, Anna could come off of that really scarred if she hadn't have met Kristoff. Like, okay, well, I totally gave my heart to this person, and it totally got squashed because he turned out bad. It's like, no, the message should have been, like, you know, patience versus passion and how to balance Mm -hmm. that. And when Hans goes just pure bad guy, it gets rid of the... I guess the real message and it teaches one that that I think could could lead people to not want to try at all or not to believe in passion at all like saying that she was just a do from the beginning and it is weird because that song and their whole relationship at the beginning was really endearing and you kind of start to like feel for them because like any other Disney princess this is how you meet the guy Mm -hmm. and this was going well so it was just mixed messages there and very confusing and yeah, I've I think already... we've we've talked about most of my gripes. I think the last one we hadn't really talked about. You really hit the nail on the head. Hans is not a he's not an ideal villain for this movie. He's mm-hmm. inconsistent. He you're right. He he almost like contradicts the message of the film. Um, and it's also just not enjoyable. Like he's not an enjoyable villain. He's no Ursula. He's no Jafar. Like he's no villain that it leaves you satisfied mm-hmm. with the villains. Like plan and all it's just uninteresting if they're gonna be like bad in a not likable way i'd say like mother gothel and tangled 
was bad in that, like, oh, like, I get that kind of evil. Ooh, sure. that kind of evil rocks me. No, he's just sleazy. He he even has that one really creepy line about how, she, you know, because he tells everybody Anna's died because mm-hmm. she... But but they still got to say their wedding vows, which, like, you can officiate... She said her wedding vows as she died in my arms, and it's like, ooh, gross. I mean, like, yeah, that is the slimiest <laughs> thing ever. Never mind that somehow you officiated a wedding to someone mm-hmm. for you. It, yeah. How... But I think we've got a fix for that. We've got a fix for a lot of these things. Oh, I totally have a fix for that. I, I'm really ways, excited yeah. about. Well, I don't. I, I think we should just get into the fix. Do you want to start us off? Definitely. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, and I think you're going to agree, we need we need some more in the beginning, just about where we are and what we're doing. I mean, maybe we don't need all of Kristoff's backstory. Maybe that could just be a line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. But something to explain why that kid's out there. It doesn't have to happen in the beginning, but it needs to be somewhere. Agreed. I, I want to know more about Arendelle, and I kind of want to know more about these ice powers. Because the other thing that sort of confused me was everybody seems really scared of them at first and then just totally fine with them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no real consequence. I mean, yeah, the ice was a little pokey and she was shooting it off, but were people really freaking out that bad? And then she comes back and everybody's just all about Elsa having ice powers. Like, right. it's, it's the Well, they don't news. ever really say if... You, if magic is you know thought of as evil if it's outlawed if it if it's know. even heard of like do people yeah. know about magic in this well at world? the begin very beginning of the movie when we see young anna and elsa mm-hmm. and anna's like let's go like play with your ice powers it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like okay but like nobody can know she's just like shooting like ice man beams out of her arms <laughs> like it's nothing audience he's making the thwipping yeah effect so from i'm doing Spider-Man. some spider-man and some ice man at the spider-man same time right ice now. beams spider I, ice man this is a new superpower and and then you know the moment that something goes wrong dad the king yeah. is like i know exactly what to do we're gonna go see the well, trolls. Yeah, he, he busts out a book that tells him about it but yeah, yeah. it's it's so just weird you know you gotta know you gotta wonder like are these powers common at all? Do they stem from the magic of the trolls? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, maybe it's it's because I come from, like, I like fantasy and sci-fi and things like that. But I want, like, a little bit more. Like, one bite more. An explanation. Explanation. How does magic these... fit into Arendelle? Exactly. Like, it's like you said. Is it is it common enough? Have people heard of it? Or is it something that's, like, been rumored about? Or there's, like, legends of people with ice powers. Like, where is this coming from? But, and then the next thing we need to see more of is we need to see Elsa's struggle as she grows up to control these powers. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is that she's trying to learn how to suppress emotion because fear ignites the ice powers uncontrollably. Fear leads to anger. Anger. No. No. Just no. We're not doing that. Instead, you know, like, and I'm not saying this has to go well, but we could see more interaction. We could see if she sees on it all, just some sort of clarity in that upbringing. Sure. And I don't think you need a lot. I just think it needed to be worked into the montage because it was just all Anna all the time in her song. Yeah, it's just it's lopsided. I was talking to Ben about this, who we've talked about on the podcast before, and it, it, this movie is a dual lead. You know, it's the Anna story and it's the Elsa story. But for the first, you know, full act of the movie, really. It's very one-sided. And I think that's a remnant from when this movie originally had Elsa as the the villain. I think that's why the movie feels very one-sided for too long. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the the montage in the beginning... I love the song. Do You Want to Build a Snowman is a very cute song that yeah. has some great character development built into it. But it wasn't enough. It needed more. You know, we've seen montages in the beginning of movies that are very effective. The first one I always think of is the movie Up. 
that whole montage in the beginning oh, God, takes you, you through a four tor full tour de force of emotions. You get Carl's full story mm -hmm. in, you know, six minutes, and you don't feel like you've got questions. You don't feel like there's things left out. They really nailed it. Well, we're giving them this... like 15 minutes to do this. Like, we could. Cause right. And we, the we thing is, more. like, well, you could still have this montage and still have a lot of the same beats, but we. It's like you're saying, we need a little bit more. Not mm -hmm. a lot of it more, but a little bit more. Something to justify the fears and the motivations mm -hmm. for some of these actions. Well, and also to kind of strengthen the bond of that sisterhood mm -hmm. that we that we see that is broken. Like, we don't see moments. We see moments of Anna trying to get to Elsa, mm -hmm. which is great. But we don't see any moments of Elsa wanting to see her sister, but then maybe almost hurting her again. And then she's got a real... And, like showing why Elsa had to be a full recluse. Exactly. Like, or she convinced herself she did. Like, but there needs to be more than just conceal, don't feel. Like, yeah. It's a, it's a great catch line. Put it on a t-shirt. For you sure. Know, make it your campaign slogan, but... Conceal, don't feel, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we need more. So, moving forward, something I think... We talked a little bit about this before the podcast. I want to do differently... And it's just a slight deviation from what you want to do is I want to get rid of Hans being a bad guy. He can be mm. imperfect. He can be a dupe, but I don't want him to be the bad guy. I think the, the Lord Wesselton voiced by the awesome Alan Tudyk mm. needed more villain time. We've already seen him be a great villain. He just villain needs to be, I think and, this is something we both agree on. Mm -hmm. He needs to be the true villain of the story. Yeah. And, and Hans may care about uh, Anna, but I think when that whole when it comes time for that that true love's kiss that they try to do, mm -hmm. I think he kisses her, and it doesn't work because truthfully, as a person who is very much in love, that first day you feel all this passion. That's great, but the mm -hmm. true love, the true love comes later. It may come out of that passion, mm -hmm. but true love is more than just passion, and that's the message. It's sure. not that Hans and Anna were wrong for really getting into each other it's it's about it's gonna take more than that for true love and real mm. commitment to thrive i agree with you i i do really like the message that we always think of love and true love as romantic love mm -hmm. but we disregard that paternal love and brotherly sisterly love can be stronger if not be stronger than most romantic love and, and we, I, I do like that moment and in we fact, don't we wouldn't lose that because that's still how you save anna in the end agreed all Although, you're showing is is that it's not because it's like you had to pick or choose sister mm. versus boyfriend it's like no they're both there mm -hmm. and they're different and they're both important for the record my pitch for the moment of true love the act of true love as they call it in the movie was i think it should be olaf because there's that whole scene where Olaf gives the whole spiel about what true love really is. And it's about sacrifice and it's about time and things like that. And in that moment, Olaf is literally sacrificing himself for her. He's like melting away so that she can warm up by the fire. And I just thought, Maybe. I remember when I saw this in theaters the first time being like, oh, it's going to be Olaf. And then it wasn't Olaf. Maybe that act, though, that he was doing kind of helped sustain Anna's heart long enough to get out there. Because she was... Oh, I dig that. She was so like maybe he doesn't cure her, but he, but he, he gives her that the like monster energy boost that yeah. she needs to get to Elsa. Because 
because there's definitely some love there between oh, them. Oh, for sure. But it, again, it's it's still it's kind pure. of pure. Like mm-hmm. Olaf is pure. He's P- pure love. Pure love, yeah. And he is. He calls himself. He goes. I like to think I'm a love expert, and he is the only one in the whole freaking movie <laughs> who kind who of has, actually is. <laughs> who has any any brains on love? And he doesn't, he doesn't even have, have a skull, skull or bones. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> oh man. So I, I I like I really like your take on Hans. And I, I totally think it was would work. My slightly different take on Hans is I like, I know it's a little bit of a tired trope, but I like it. It's a trope I like a lot. I like the idea that the Duke of Wesselton has enlisted Hans to, to because he knows the family secret. He knows about Elsa's powers and that they're being kept secret. But he wants control of Arendelle. So he enlists Hans to to basically push Elsa to be the monster that he thinks that she is and push her out and get rid of her and to duplicitously marry Anna, take control of the kingdom so that the Duke of Wesselton can basically puppeteer the kingdom from there. And what I like about this version is I like to think that Hans goes in because, you know, it's still same story. He's the youngest of his old brothers. He sees this as his only opportunity to ever have any real power. And, you know, he comes from this long line of, of brothers that treat him poorly, so he wants that power. He he sees this as his only chance to ever have any. But what he doesn't take into account is actually falling in love with Anna. And that's why at the end of the film, towards the end of the film, he has his epiphany. He turns and he realizes that it's far more important than the power that he's been, you know, seeking. So he turns on the Duke. You know, the Duke is basically our Jafar character at this point. Like he's vying for the throne through like duplicitous mm-hmm. back channels. So can I put a spin on that? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want Hans to be aware that the Duke is using him. They, okay. I, I, I want them to have a bit more of a relationship. I, because Hans feels neglected by his own family, the Duke is someone who has come to appreciate Hans and take him under his wing and is kind of mentoring him Mm. And there, and still doing everything you just said, while secretly using Hans, because Hans has his own issues, and he does like Anna. Because the, the other thing is, is I don't want the reason he changes his mind is because he falls in love with, with. We keep calling her Anna, but it's Anna. And, I've, I've been using both. And the thing is, is I like the idea that yes, they love each other, but that's something that's just starting and needs to grow. Not is going to change everything. I think he has to like open his eyes to this person that you know, about what it looks like to be used. And we can show that through the actual established villain, not through somebody who does a 180 in the blink of the movie. So I would just say, keep Hans in the dark. Keep him kind of needing, you know, that kind of need for, you know, to be noticed. Mm-hmm. He talks about, like, two of his older brothers didn't pretend he didn't exist for, like, a year. Yeah. Or something. He says two of his older brothers completely pretended he was invisible for an entire year. Yeah, and that's sort of like a connecting point with Anna because, you know, her sister never sees her ever. Mm-hmm. So, like, that sort of... Like, let, let's let's play on that and actually flesh out his character and give him some more some more character. And... Because he, he's he's such kind of a, a good guy until the, the switch. When, when Anna puts him in charge, he's doing the right thing. And there could have been some additional pull from the Duke of Wesselton trying to get him to like take advantage. He's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. But he feels conflicted because he wants to listen to his mentor and that whole like back and forth could have had some more like gravitas to it. And maybe that's why he runs out. But before that he was, he was helping everybody deal with like this 
sudden eternal winter that just came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And he was doing the only amount of leadership we see in the movie. Basically, yeah. Because, yeah, we don't see it from any characters. No, like the king, queen that died, never saw them doing anything. Elsa and Anna, they've, they've been locked away. No one's been leading Arendelle, and it seems to be doing fine. Steps in this guy who seems to have some authority and leadership and capability. And I'm just like, wait, he's the villain, but he's doing so well. So I don't know. That's, that's uh, I, again, I just... I know he's got a nice horse and good boots. I just, I don't want Hans to be a, an active villain. Maybe be conflicted, maybe make a couple bad choices because he, he has conflicted loyalties, but, but no, nah, I just, I don't, I, I didn't buy him being a villain. I didn't think that, I thought that twist was only a twist because they wrote it that way. And there was nothing that actually led to it or suggested it was necessary. I genu I genuinely like our fix for the villain in this. Both versions of it really, either of them work perfectly fine for me. Uh, the other major fix, and I think it, this is another thing that we both agree on, is there's no real chemistry in this movie, romantic chemistry, between Anna and Kristoff. They, they just, they don't really work. It, it, you, you said earlier that she's basically almost killing him for most of the movie. She beans him in the head with the carrots, she almost, uh, he almost dies trying to save her from the you know the sled wreck off a cliff. She later cuts when the big marshmallow is hanging on to him by the rope. She cuts mm -hmm. the rope and he's already unconscious. So they fall three hundred feet into powdered snow. Mm -hmm. She she's leading him around at the end with a blindfold on and brains him into a lamp post. And yep. it's just like oops, like doesn't even acknowledge it. I mean I know he's got a thick skull because if he was anybody else he'd have been dead. Right. But this poor boy is gonna die before this relationship can go anywhere. Well, his safety aside, I think the movie is sort of silly because they give us all the components for, to set Kristoff up with Elsa. They're both they're both not people people. They're kind of antisocial. Mm -hmm. You know, he talks about at length. He sings a song about how reindeer are better than people. Mm -hmm. Elsa stays like in her own thing. She goes. She literally builds a magic ice castle in on the mountain because she just doesn't want to be around people like they're both are like antisocial people and it's like you said the moment we see anna and Kristoff together there's no music there's no song there's no nothing i think they've got this, very good potential to be a very good example of a male character and a female character in a disney movie actually being friends like actual friends they're like banter in the sled about you know men picking their nose and like things like that is is kind of hilarious and it their friendship totally works i love how much he rags on her for getting engaged with a guy she just met that night yeah like all of this is happening at one time like she still just got engaged the night she meets Kristoff. like hours before basically and he just will not drop it but i like that <laughs> anna even in that sled ride right after they've met basically says something about elsa and maybe it was it was the thing about like she told me I couldn't marry him. Can you believe that? And he was like, I really like your sister. They lay all the groundwork for and you know when they when they finally find the big ice castle, and he's, he's freaking just, out. He's, he's like, geeking he out. says it's a palace made of ice. Ice is my life. He all the pieces are in place for him to meet Elsa and be like, whoa. The two of them never exchange more than like two words though throughout the whole movie. True, but I mean that I think would have made it so much more effective if he spends quite a bit of the movie just kind of hearing about her. And then the minute he sees her, he's like, all right, this, this 
I'm into this. But that and that kiss at the end they have is probably the worst kiss. You're talking about Anna and Kristoff. Anna and Kristoff. It was the worst it's kiss. It's such in a Disney. friend kiss. It's like that short well, he, film we he, shot he, back in the day where I had to kiss Aaron. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. And we cut the scene from the movie because it was so unbelievable. Oh, it was horrible. It, it was real bad. No, it was worse because he does the whole like ask her first in like this weird like triple way uh-huh. where he asks like three times and then she just kisses him and I'm like that was. That was just doofy. That wasn't yeah. romantic. It wasn't like cute goofy. It was just, eh, no. But yeah, I think with our rework, Hans and Anna could work. Mm-hmm. Anna. Hans and Hansana. Hansana could work. Hansana, yeah. Hansana could Hazana. totally work in this movie. And they could even make it the point of, you're right, we did jump into this way too fast. Like, but we that doesn't could, mean they can't could... slow down. And... Exactly. Whereas I think there's a fun opportunity for Elsa and Kristoff, who actually have like a weird amount of chemistry for a movie where that's not the intention, right? Could have like a moment suggesting, this. you know, later that you know, Team Elistoff. Yeah, Team Elistoff or Team Krelsa. They remind me a lot. Uh, I know we talk about Avatar on the show all the time, but it remind me of like Zuko and and May in season three of Avatar. Mm-hmm. They're both kind of the emo kids that are very like antisocial. There's their whole scene where they're like, I love when you hate the world. That just sort of feels like a moment <laughs> that we would have with, with what are we calling them? Krelsa? Krelsa. No, maybe that's not good. Elistoff. Elistoff is better. Audience weigh in. Which one is it? Kressa or Telistoff? You, you got to ship right. Elsa and Kristoff. We won't hear any other any other ideas. but uh, Unless it's Jack Frost. I understand that. But then we're getting universe bending. All right, Tone. Bring us home. Put Take all these components <laughs> that we've worked on. Because we've really worked this movie over. There, it's a punching bag. Mm-hmm. And our fists are tired. I mean, what, are, what have we landed on with our Frozen rework? Well, I think we're going to start out with maybe some music that fits the rest of the movie and learn maybe just a little bit about Arendelle and magic and ice and the power of it all. And then we'll go into Elsa and her, you know, we we follow Anna and Elsa playing the repercussions of Elsa's powers, but then see her growing up alongside not alongside as in next to but alongside in the movie both Anna and Elsa growing up apart from each other while being close yeah we're seeing simultaneous stories mm -hmm. of them both wanting to be with each other but not being able to Anna wanting different reasons Anna wanting to get out and just know anything that's going on I feel like Mm -hmm. Anna as a child would have put up more of a fight to see her sister would have would have tried harder to like figure out what's going on because she's very take charge later on, even when she doesn't, you know, know what she's doing. Elsa, on the other hand, trying to get, knowing the situation, trying to get control over it, over herself and just more of that just falling apart and her kind of succumbing to this more repressed person over time. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, at first she still tries to see her sister. She still tries a little bit, maybe giving Anna some hope that something's there. Mm-hmm. But then, again, maybe almost hurting her, repercussions coming back, she freaks out and goes full-on, like, repression. And then we can branch out, do everything like we do, uh, open the gates, Anna meets Hans, mm-hmm. try to get married. There's a good chunk in the middle mm-hmm. of this movie that works as is. Well, there's a lot that works as is. Anna, you know, they, they tell Elsa they're engaged. Elsa's like, uh, no. You know, which would actually have more, I think, meaning at mm-hmm. this point, because when she says it in the in the current version of the movie, 
it it doesn't i don't know it's like she doesn't even know her sister mm -hmm. so when she tells her no it's like okay this you know the queen just told me no it, not my sister told me no mm -hmm. i liked they there was a bit where anna just talks about how she can't do this anymore just the shut-in lifestyle and elsa just tells her then leave like there was like a moment where she just gives up completely and lets anna go and i like that moment and i think if we saw elsa trying harder to hang on to anna at first mm -hmm. when she finally gives up that might explain a bit more about why her powers just go haywire it doesn't necessarily have to be anna like grabbing her it's like at that point she starts to lose it and go in a downward like a dark spiral like she's not the villain but her emotions her repression of her feelings are the villain and that's what makes her dangerous and that's what makes her chased out and that's what makes her run and sing a great song and build a, a you know kick an ice castle and you know bring and animate snow and give it life yeah bring life to like snow she's really like a class what five mutant oh definitely she she turned summer to winter in an entire kingdom yeah well they, she says the world we have no way of knowing we don't zoom out far enough on yeah, the, they, the planet i don't think anna anna barely knows what's outside the castle much less what the world is you know what the whole world to her is just outside the castle it's she the doesn't kingdom. even understand there's other places yeah we don't even know that she has a geography book or a globe <laughs> or anything no it's just pictures She's possibly just a complete idiot <laughs> which we're gonna keep because we'll let her <laughs> we'll let her kind of bumble around in her adventure yeah. to find elsa Bump into Kristoff. Yeah. You know. Did you guys know there's things past the gate? Yeah. How crazy is that? And everyone in town is like, oh, it's the idiot princess again. <laughs> Why did they shut them up? <laughs> Who's been teaching them? I mean, even if we just nod that, that, make a nod to that, we don't necessarily have to like explain their entire upbringing then, but... But even just a nod to that would be nice. Right. You know, if we're going to get into the politics of, you know, having a, a monarchy and its importance, and that should also explain why Duke Wesselton would then see, like, a weakness and this is the time to come at Arendelle and why he's there being the villain is because he sees this moment. He's seizing it. But... Yeah, I mean, at this point, keep it playing out. I, I don't want to undo the trolls, even mm. though they're goofy. They're still in, they're still lovable. I think once we meet the trolls, we should get a little bit more explanations to who Kristoff was yeah. and why they took him in. Was well, such an opportunity for Kristoff to say what it was like for him before they found yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, it was. even plays into the theme of the movie of, like, what is love? What is love? Yeah, love and loneliness, because he was obviously alone before them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it would have been a great time to expand on him just a little bit. He doesn't have to take over. You're right. Just a few lines of dialogue, even, mm -hmm. would have gone a very long way here. And figure out that they can't heal Anna that way. But now you've got this true love that we're going to go... I mean, Kristoff could even be skeptical, but it's like, okay, she's dying. Got to try something. Mm -hmm. And this isn't a sacrifice for him. It's just he's a good guy. Like, hey, this goofy girl is is dying like i gotta go help her and that's this why goofy 16 year old girl is yeah. dying. <laughs> and i guess so what this would change in the end if hans isn't bad i think he would just he would assume oh we can totally use your olaf bit he would assume anna dies the kiss doesn't work it looks like she's dead mm -hmm. and that's when he steps out and just kind of like lumbers out now he's got a little bit of beef against elsa like he's got a grudge now and he's kind of torn to like just following in Duke Wesselton's like mentoring, like, no, take over. Now's your chance. Kill the other sister and seize power. And he's mad and he's heartbroken. But then Olaf walks in unbeknownst to him and basically does his whole love spiel and shows that Anna's not dead. She's just on the brink. And, you know, that's when you know that he kind of like, 
Well, so he sees an act of love from an act of true love from Olaf and sees that that has even a little effect. No, I don't think he sees this part. I think okay. he's downstairs telling Elsa Anna's dead so she can bust out. And so they bust, both bust out. And the, the only thing I think is why would Kristoff just leave right after dropping her off? Like I get, I guess he kind of leaves cause he knows this girl that he apparently likes now is going to go off with some other guy, mm-hmm. but now we don't have that. So he's just there and kind of waiting to hear what happens. And then mm-hmm. there's Elsa's big explosion out Maybe of the Maybe there's castle. an ongoing bit about how she owes him a sled. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's why he's sticking around. He's like, I'm sticking around until I get my sled. I mean, something... it's very Han Solo. Like, I'm sticking around until I get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's our Han Solo character in this well, movie. We already basically. have a Hans, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's confusing. <laughs> but yeah, so Elsa's out on the ice thinking Anna's gone. Anna sees Elsa having an, a conniption and thinking that, or realizing that she's doing this because of her. You know, Hans could even tell her as much. She runs out there to get to her, and it's this whole on the ice. Just like before, the icebergs are breaking apart. Things are nuts, and Anna doesn't get to her in time. But Elsa, you know, I mean, what was it that thawed Anna? Was it saving her from Hans? Because that didn't seem to work. It was Elsa embracing Anna and then crying over her because she realizes how much she loves her sister and how much she misses her now. Is what I thought thawed her. No, no. no. What what actually thawed her was actually her. I, if I'm not mistaken, her own act of true love. Anna. Because yeah, because Anna goes to block the sword. Mm-hmm. At the moment that she fully succumbs to ice, and in in that moment of sacrifice, uh-huh. that's the the but act of true love. Why would she have turned to ice then? See that it doesn't matter. The sacrifice to me would be she goes, she runs. Even though she's dying, she runs out to stop her sister, and maybe she turns to ice then. But it was that embrace, that last act of love to her sister, that then Elsa returns, and that's what thoughts are. It this because it didn't make any sense anyway. Mine at least you can track the actions better. And, yeah, play out movie. Again, the, the people, as much as I'd like to see more of them maybe villainizing Elsa in the beginning or being, being kind of mobbed, to, like led as a mob by the Duke to villainize her, mm-hmm. once he's, like, kicked out, like, realize, oh, no, wait, she's great. It's summertime and we have, like, a woman with ice powers. And then later when it's wintertime, we have a person who controls the winter. Like, mm-hmm. this is the best queen ever. Right. She literally made an ice skating rink for free. How yeah. cool is that? Pretty cool. <laughs> so. And then, of course, she saves Olaf because... Yeah, because Olaf. You... Olaf can't be alive in summer, much to his own chagrin. Yeah. He's like, what? The heat does bad things to snowmen. <laughs> There's a funny uh, note about Josh, Josh Gad, the voice actor, took his daughter to see another movie, and there was a teaser for Frozen at the time, and you don't see Olaf, but you hear him, and his little like three-year-old daughter like starts freaking out and goes, Dada, more Dada, and he like started crying. It That's was, adorable. Yeah, I just thought that was great. I love me some Josh Gad. Well, I'm pretty happy with our fix. I mean, it sounds like the the, the gist of our fix is... Better villain, mm. better relationships. I mean, this is something that applies to so many movies that <laughs> we talk it about. It's just better relationships with our characters, fleshing those out more and giving us a better villain. You know, the villain is so half-baked in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and especially in a Disney movie, you have to have a good villain. Yeah, the best Disney movies are in no small part because they have great villains. We look at Aladdin and Jafar. We look at Little Mermaid and Ursula. Scar and the Lion King. Scar and the Lion King. Like, great villains make great movies, particularly great, like, animated movies. Mm-hmm. And the I think the most glaring omission in Frozen 
is a good, solid villain. In fact, is there a worse villain in a Disney movie than this? I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, because, like, even in recent Disney history, we have Mother Gothel, who's a great villain. Yeah. We have King Candy, who is another... He's a great example of a villain that turns 180 on us, but pun it, intended. But there's a build-up. But up. it works. Yeah, there, there's, like... And you like get little, like, hints and pieces. of information. You know, we talk about this all the time, that you've got to let your audience in on these sort of things, because otherwise they just feel, like, betrayed mm-hmm. by the movie itself. Well, because as a storyteller, you're you're telling the story if you just go oh and that person was a bad guy all along yeah. it's it's honestly like if we'd had moments not of, inclusive. Of, of doubt planted in love is an open door and right like, then that reveal would have felt so much more like juicy and satisfying. Like, oh i knew it and it's terrible and hans you're so horrible but no there was nothing yeah and so i feel like by not making hans the villain we as movie fixers stay true to our thing of, of keeping, keeping as the... much of it intact as possible yeah yeah all right, well, that's our fix for Frozen. Um, I, I, for one, love our fix, and I think it's a better movie, and I would watch it in a heartbeat. I mean, I would watch Frozen again. It's, I like it's Frozen. the canon in my head. I, that's how I always see it. I just sort of forget the last half of the movie. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, um, before we get into, before we tell everybody what our next movie is going to be, uh, why don't we rapid fire a couple of recommendations off for our listeners? Why don't you go first? Oh, really? Me? Or me. I can go first. Jeez. I'll give you, I'm going to give you two, like I tend to do. Um, and my first one is pretty simple. Um, they have made two Frozen short films since the movie Frozen came out. Okay. The first one was okay. It's something about Anna's birthday. It's cute, but it's like, it's real thin. There's not a lot to it. They made a second short film, the name of which I can't remember, uh, but it is about celebrating basically Christmas, but like all different kinds of holidays. And in this short film, you get a couple really good new songs that I think are as good as the songs in the movie. And you also get to see like a lot more of the town and the people that live in Arendelle and the different traditions they have during the holidays. And it just, it totally works. They broadcast it on TV a couple years ago um, as like a half hour TV special. And I honestly, like, I think it's a better Frozen movie than the movie Frozen is. And I think it's absolutely worth looking up i think you can just watch it on youtube but i know for a fact you can buy it for like two dollars or something like that on amazon or apple uh itunes but yeah that's my first recommendation do you have another one yeah i'm gonna go ahead and and re-recommend the i don't recommend enough online content i feel like we are strictly a web channel we do podcasts we're all online content um, I tried really hard uh, this movie, but also in other movies, not to copy criticism I've already heard, even though it's brilliant. And one of the really great, great, brilliant uh, movie critics out there is the group called How It Should Have Ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the sh- that's the show they do. It's not the channel. But just type in How It Should Have Ended Frozen or He She, the acronym H I S H I. Yeah, thank you. H I. Yeah, S-H-E, and uh, it's hysterical, and they do a lot of them, and they're hilarious, and there's another one that does uh, something similar. It's called Honest Trailers, where they make a trailer that speaks to what the movie is actually like, not how it, you know, wants to be seen, and both of those, uh, I find, I found a little bit of what inspired me to want to do Movie Fixers, aside from just the fact that Matt and I are going to have these conversations anyway, so we might as well record them. Right. 
and I would say check those out and check out more just online content. It is as good, if not better, than your mainstream movies and television these days. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think there's there's so much great online content that a lot of audience, a lot of our audience and audiences in general, are missing out on because it's not being like piped directly into their home, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I, I do encourage our listeners to to seek out more of these channels, kind of like TSD, um, making content that's a little different from your your average fare. And I'll keep trying to recommend stuff too to our audience because I think I think that's the word of mouth is the only way we get. Passed around, so we need to share the love. Well, um, on the opposite spectrum of this, I got a big screen movie recommendation that I really enjoyed recently. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody is in theaters right now. It is the story of Freddie Mercury and the band Queen and kind of their uh, journey to stardom. And it's, it's really, it's focused a lot on Freddie Mercury and his personal life, but you do get glimpses of the other band members and just what it was like at that time you know freddie mercury has a very interesting life and a very um uh very, just a very interesting rock star story and the music is phenomenal i mean everybody knows queen songs we will rock you um fat bottom girls like there's just there's so many like bohemian rhapsody obviously the the, the movie's named after uh so, yeah, I would definitely recommend the movie. It's about two hours long. It's got all your favorite songs in it. Uh, Rami Malek, I think, is the actor that plays Freddie Mercury, is out of this world good. Uh, the whole cast is really phenomenal. So definitely recommend Bohemian Rhapsody if you're looking for, like, a date night movie. It's, it's good stuff. I do plan to check that out myself soon. And I'm a big fan of any movie where directors use their incredibly high-quality cameras and lenses to film house cats. And there's a lot of that in this movie. So if you're into cats, then I cannot recommend Bohemian Rhapsody. I think I can sell Chrissy on it now. Yeah, it's that alone will sell Chrissy on this movie. All right, everybody. Well, that about wraps it up for us. Tony, do you want to tell everybody what our next movie fix is going to be? No. Okay. No? Really? You're not excited no, wait, even a little bit? It's not the one that we were talking about. No, 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 no. No, no, no. It's this... in advance of its sequel that's coming out oh, no, no. next L- week. Allow me. Yeah, yeah. Next week. Well, not next week, but next week. I think it is next week. Or... A week after this podcast. Are we releasing Probably the so. next one? Okay. We're releasing it on the day that its sequel comes out. Wow. Ooh, we got work to do, guys. We have so much work to do. <laughs> Y'all may not know this, but we're about to film a whole bunch of Jake Bags and Cocktail Moment like pretty soon after this. And episode. apparently record a bunch of podcasts. <laughs> you know, we're a glutton for punishment. We, we condense a lot of our production into like bursts. Yep. Little like, sprints. I love it. It's fun. We should and... call them production sprints from now on because that's what they feel like. Okay. We're off subject. Tell everybody what a movie we're doing. Hey, everybody. Next next podcast, we will be fixing the movie Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Did yep. I get it right? Yeah. It's that the title first is, movie. That title is one of the things I want to fix. Right. But... For sure. Uh, yeah. It's the first movie in a brand new franchise in the world of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, like Frozen, had a lot of good things going for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but also had a lot of issues that I think we as movie fixers can... Shall you say fix? Yes, I think we can. Uh, I think we can retrofit and and home building. I don't watch a lot of home improvement shows. I've, I I can never make the right analogy. We're going to renovate from top to bottom the foundation of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Decorum. Decorum. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Movie Fixers. We will see you next week. 
And until then, watch movies, watch stuff, watch TV shows. We'd also like to take a quick moment to list credits. I am your host, as always, Tony. With me is the illustrious Matt Goad. Hello. Executive producers are Hayden Smith and Chrissy Faith. Recap and all-around awesomeness provided by Jessa Ducci. Uh, more awesomeness in our artwork provided by Nick Aducci. We love all of you. Thanks for listening to this. Please, 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 anybody you know that likes to talk about movies, recommend this. We're really hoping to uh, garner a bigger audience as we try and make this a more ingestible podcast. But until then, we love you. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you next time. Bye.